Praise the Lord. Well, here we are building on the ark tonight, building an ark of salvation for our families. We're here in the house with our children to build on in the kingdom of God and to seek the Lord. Well, this is a little different subject tonight, I must admit, angelic presence. I'm going to speak about angels tonight. I'm not sure how this is going to go, but we'll see how it'll go. I've been really taken with the subject of angels the last couple of months, more so than perhaps in my whole ministry life. And a couple months ago in CTI, we looked at, you know, the angels' uh, message and the Word of God, the theme, and Terry Law's book, The Truth About Angels, and I was so stirred in my spirit that I've been thinking about angels almost every day since then. And I sense tonight I want to bring the word of the Lord and bring some comfort to us and to put some strength and confidence into us and some faith in us that the angels are with us and that the Lord is working in the earth and is at our side. We take comfort in these great scriptures like Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. How many have that verse memorized? Psalm 91, 11 to 12. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. How many have claimed this promise a few hundred times? He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep you in all your paths, wherever it is that he has called you to walk in the earth. He said he's given his angels charge over us, to guard us, to protect us, to keep us. They would bear us up in their hands. And then Hebrews 12, 22, what an amazing verse in the New Testament. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. We have come to Mount Zion, spiritual Mount Zion, the place of worship, the place of the presence of God, the true place of the tabernacle of David, where King Jesus, the greater David, sits enthroned forever. We've come to Mount Zion. We've come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, far, far, far above anything that could sit in the Middle East. This is the heavenly city that we're a part of now. The Bible says we have come. We'll see it in its full and final manifestation in our future. But we're already in that beautiful city of God. She's the mother of us all. We've been born of her. And the Bible says we have come to an innumerable company of angels. Hallelujah. An innumerable company of angels. Ephesians 6.12, we know there's and horrific warfare on the planet. It's not hard to see anymore. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, powers of darkness, evil and hostile wickedness, spiritual hosts of darkness, rulers of darkness, principalities and powers. The satanic world is aligned and arrayed against man to destroy and bring misery and bring destruction, inflict cruelty. Ephesians 2.2 2 says, in which you once walked, 
according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of of disobedience. We once had our place in that world, but God has lifted it out, lifted us out. He, He has quickened us who are dead in trespasses and sins, taken us out of the power of darkness, translated us from the kingdom of darkness, and translated us, taken us, and crossed us over into the kingdom of his dear son. And so we understand the battle on the planet, and it's a tremendous struggle. It's before us every day, and we see it. The enemy hosts of darkness are arrayed. They are inflicting their pain. They're inflicting their injustice and all their wickedness upon this world. Does it not stand to reason, or would it not, that God would have angelic powers, heavenly hosts that would be with his people to comfort and guide and lead and watch over us? And that's exactly what he has. An innumerable company of angels for us. Angels that keep charge over us and watch over our children and watch over our lives. And there is a protection over us. Now there are many kinds of angels in the scripture. I like the generalization given by Roland Buck as quoted in Terry Law's book. But there are basically four categories of angels or categorizations. I want to add one to that and put it out first. And number one is watching angels. Watching angels. Daniel 4, 17, one verse for each of these that I go through, just to establish it. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of man gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. It was a word to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and how he was being watched by the watchers, that there are judicial angels. These seem to be the judicial angels. They're watching over the land and sea. These are the sons of God that present themselves in Job chapter 1. These are the chariots that go out in Zechariah, and they go throughout the land, and they see what's happening across the earth and bring report to the Lord, the watchers and the holy ones. These are the probably aligned with the angels in Revelation. They're angels that watch over land and sea. They're angels that hold back forces from blowing on the earth. They're angels that administer judgments and pour out divine judgments as God would see fit in his timing. The watching angels. Number two, worshiping angels. Revelation 5, 11 to 12, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. That was the biggest number that you'd measure by in those days. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. We know there are worshiping angels in the heavens, the living creatures, the cherubim, with the faces of the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle, and the seraphim, meaning the burning ones in the presence of God, day and night, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. There are worshiping angels. Number three, there are warring angels. The chariots of God are 20,000, Psalm 68, 17, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. 
The chariots of God are thousands, thousands. The Hebrew language is just piling it up, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them. These are the warriors, the chariots of God. And we know the Lord is called the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts, because he has the angelic powers, the warring angels at his side. Number four, we have the messenger angels. Hebrews, or Daniel 9, 21 to 22. Daniel said, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. And so we see at times that the angels came to people to give them understanding, especially Daniel. Basically, he had such a spirit of revelation that was brought to him concerning the events that would unfold in the, in the centuries up to the coming of Christ in particular. So messenger angels. And number five, ministering spirits. Hebrews 1, 13 to 14. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Vast difference between Christ and the angels. No comparison. They're created beings. He is the eternal God. Are they not all ministering spirits, servants, sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? How many have inherited salvation tonight? And they're going to inherit more. And there are people going that, that are going to inherit salvation as they come to Christ as before the day of the Lord. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? These angels are ready to be dispatched from God's presence with supply and answers and help in time of need and aid to the saints. They're all about us. They're in this world, an innumerable company of angels. There are angels assigned to watch over us, over this church. We can't see them. Very seldomly do people see angels, but they are there. They are there. And according to the Word of God, we see how their beautiful ministry unfolds. Well, we can go to Genesis and go all the way to Revelation. Why don't we preach from Genesis to Revelation tonight? angelic presence well the cherubim showed up at the altar at eden flaming sword but as abraham who first entertained angels genesis 18 three men came to him as he, was, as he was sitting in his tent door in the heat of the day three men approached him he recognized these are not ordinary men two of them were angels and one was the lord himself a christophany an appearance of christ and those angels spoke to him and he ran and prepared a meal and said, refresh yourselves under the tree from the heat of the day. And he, they sat and they gave him the word of the Lord and ministered to him. Two of those angels went down to Sodom and Gomorrah and rescued Lot and his family. In Genesis 22, as Abraham was about to offer his son Isaac on the altar, the angel of the Lord cried, spoke out to him and said, don't do it. Pull back the knife. He was going to make the sacrificial cut in the neck. The angel of the Lord called him out of heaven. Stay the blade. There's a ram caught in the thicket. And Abraham experienced, and Isaac experienced the angel of the Lord. 
Now, those were the experiences of Abraham and Isaac with directly with angels. Then there was Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are the men in whom the foundations of the eternal covenant were laid. Genesis 28, as Jacob made his way from his home up to Syria to be with his uncle Laban, as he lay his head upon a stone in the night, you know the story, he had a dream and a ladder was set up on earth and that ladder reached up to heaven and angels of God were ascending on that ladder and descending. They were carrying up Jacob's prayer requests and they were returning with God's answers. They were carrying up his, his cares and his, his wrestles of his heart, the burden of his heart and returning with peace and joy and the message of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Abraham or spoke to Jacob at that place. He said, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob's ladder, angels ascending and descending. When he returned from Syria 20 years later, Genesis 32 says the angels of God met him. He said, I'm calling this the double camp because I've got my warriors here. I've got my servants. We're a little army in the earth. We're a clan. We're fighting to make our way in the earth against all the powers of darkness. But he said, God's army just showed up. I call this a double camp. The hosts of the Lord are here. And in Genesis 32 further, he wrestled in the stillness of the night. He wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the angel said, a desperation like that, I'll honor. And he blessed them there. That's all we read about Jacob and the angels. There were other times God spoke to him. But listen to Genesis 48, 15 to 16. Now, Jacob was on his deathbed, 147 years of age. And he came to bless the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me or shepherded me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be named upon them in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into multitude in the midst of the earth. He said, God fed me all my life long, 147 years. God's been with me all the way. He's been my constant shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But he says, the angel was with me as well. The angels of the Lord, the angel of the Lord was with me. Redeemed me from all evil my whole life. No, Jacob only saw an angel a few times. But he was aware that there was an angelic presence, that the angels of the Lord were with him his entire life. And so we understand that we have that same testimony. Look back on your life and say, the angel who redeemed me from all evil has been with me. We don't want to get too fanciful and think we're going to see an angel every other week. I mean, these great men of God, they saw an angel once, twice, three times in their whole lifetime, and they lived 147, 160, 175 years. And so we understand that we must exercise some caution because it is easy for us to get a little silly or strange-spirited, isn't it? And start to see angels everywhere and start to see demons everywhere. 
and you walk off the road and all of a sudden you're walking in a ditch on either side and it's tough walking in a ditch. So let's walk down the center of the road in the blessing of God, in the blessing of God. I think we all have experiences. I do. At least two occurrences where I'm like 99.9% sure it was an angel. I'd say 100%, but you know, the Lord is the judge of all things. It couldn't have been anything else, anybody else. And others where I was aware that something had happened, but, and it must have, there was an intervention by the Lord. I'm sure you all have your experience and your testimony for your life and your family. And how sometimes we have, as the Bible says, entertained angels unawares. Well, tonight, let's open up our spirit and say, thank you, Lord. I believe your angels are with me. They're covering me. They're watching over me. They're walking with me. They're ministering to me. You're not allowing me to see them because we'd get a little strange-spirited. And we might put too much focus on angels instead of Jesus. As the Apostle Paul said, well, let's look at Hebrews 13, too. First of all, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. People in this congregation have told me about times where they believed they had met up with an angel. And as I said, myself also. And when the event is over, you kind of kick yourself. Why didn't I take a better look? Oh, I just wish I could remember that face and those eyes. But it's like your eyes are holding as the Lord works and walks alongside you to bless you in an hour of need. But look at Colossians 2.18. He said, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. Yeah, some in the New Testament got a little silly, started worshiping angels intruding into those things which he has not seen. He thinks he has. Worshiping angels. I see angels. I see angels. Worshiping them. Paul says, you didn't see anything. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Now I want to say, people in recent decades have had visitation of angels, and I believe one of the reasons they have, and one was that humble pastor Roland Buck, back in the 80s or so, to, again, alert the church. These angels are with you. They're for you. They're helping you. Thank God for them. Then Revelation 19.10, the Apostle John, now he wasn't prone to worship angels, but he heard a voice out of heaven. The voice said certain things, and then the voice said to him, right, and he said, I, I fell at his feet to worship him. Didn't understand, didn't know he was dealing with it first. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant. The angel said, I am your servant. I'm at your side. I'm here to help you in the earth. And of your brethren, who have the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So those are the five categories of angels.
Well, we come out of Genesis into Exodus, and the Bible tells us that at Mount Sinai, when the people came out, the nation of Israel from Egypt, that at Sinai, angels were in attendance. The law was given. The great signs and wonders on Mount Sinai were given in the presence of angels. And God said to Moses in Exodus 32, I'm sending my angel with you. He will lead you. He will guide you. Of course my presence is coming with you. Of course I'm with you. But I am also work with angels, God says. And I'm sending my angel with you, and he will lead you through the wilderness, and he will lead you so that you will possess the promised land. Tell the people to obey him and not provoke him because my name is in him. Came into the promised land, and under Joshua secured the promised land. But it wasn't a generation later in the judges that the people fell away from the Lord. Generation that forsook the Lord. You can lose the will of God. You can lose the knowledge of God in one generation, and we all know it. The people that departed from the Lord. And you know what? You know who showed up? An angel of the Lord in Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, an angel came and said, you have not obeyed my voice. And the people repented and called out on God and called the place a place of weeping as they renewed their heart toward the Lord because they had been overcome by their enemies. And without the help of the Lord, we are no match against the wicked spirits of this world. God raised up judges and deliverers. In Judges 4 and 5, Deborah and Barak fought against Sisera and his hosts. And the Canaanites, and the Bible says, the stars fought from heaven. The angels fought from heaven. They're the stars. Figurative language there. Gideon was threshing wheat by the wine press in Judges chapter 6, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, you mighty man of valor, and God raised him up again to defeat the Midianites and bring a great victory. Samson's parents Manoah and his wife, two visitations of the angel, one to announce that they would have birth a son that would begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines because God is concerned about the victory of his people. And when they cry unto him, he answers. And then another answer came, another angel came another day because the father cried out and said that this angel would come again and teach them how they should raise their child, how, should they, how, how they should train him so that he would be skillful, so they'd be a warrior for God and be able to push back the powers of darkness. And the angel says, I'll answer a prayer like that. Or God said, and the angel came back and said, this is the manner of the child, and this is the work he shall do. Angels of the Lord, working, working, moving through with the people of God. We come into the times of the kings, the kingdom, and there was much activity of the angelic hosts of the Lord as they fought for Israel time and time again in battle. It was the angelic host, the Lord of the hosts. The Lord said to one time to David, don't even go into battle. You stay still until you hear the sound of the marching in the mulberry trees. There's a sound coming that's higher than you. These men aren't marching on the ground. They're marching in the air. And when you hear their sound, you stir yourself and you go to battle and you will win the victory. And so it was. Another time, the angel of the Lord went out and slew 185,000 enemy warriors in one night. The hosts of the Lord, time and time again. God was with his people on the battlefield. The Lord came to Elijah 
the prophet, when he was so discouraged and broken down and depressed after the victory at Mount Carmel, but yet he saw that the response of the people was superficial. There really was no real heart repentance into the people. God told him, I've reserved 7,000, but Elijah was so broken down that he went out into the wilderness, cast himself under a tree and wished to die. He said, God, take my life from me. I'm no better than my father's. And an angel of the Lord came to him, gave him some food and drink. The angel of the Lord touched him and ministered what? To his physical needs, to his spiritual needs, to his emotional needs, to the anxiety and the fears of his heart and raised them up. God with his people, the angels of the Lord warring with his people. Daniel received angelic visitation a few times, powerful visitations of the angels of the Lord and messages of such consequence that Daniel's body couldn't even handle the situation, the revelation and the spirit that was upon him. One time the Bible says he was sick for days. Because of the spiritual experience, his body couldn't handle it. But the Lord ministered through him. And then Daniel, at the end of his life, 85 years of age or so, when he was cast into the lion's den and he was delivered from the mouth of the lions, he said God sent his angel. He said the king came to see him next day to lift him out of the pit to hope he was alive because he'd been plotted against by wicked men in the political system. The king came and Daniel said, my God sent his angel and closed the lion's mouths. I had a nice rest in here tonight with those beautiful creatures, those beautiful animals. Well, Daniel had some visitation of angels, the prophets, mainly the word of the Lord came to him. So we see there's not this, you know, abundant, prolific, angelical, angelic visitation, but it's there throughout the scriptures is enough so that we understand what's happening behind the scenes. And then we come and turn the page to the New Testament. And all of a sudden, there's an increased angelic activity on the pages of the Bible. The Son of God himself is going to come into the world. And an angel appeared to Zacharias and Elizabeth. Zacharias, as he was in the temple offering the incense, the angel came and said, you're going to, you and your wife, though aged, though past bearing children, you're going to have a son and you're going to call his name John and he's going to be the forerunner of the Christ. And then the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You're favored of God. She said, be, unto me, be it unto me according to thy word. An angel word came to her. Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but they had not yet been married in the official sense. And here she was with child, and Joseph was going to put her away in a private way, private manner. But all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord came in a dream of night to Joseph and said, Don't be afraid to take unto Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, the angels ministering, guiding God's people at critical points like this. The night Jesus was born, there was an angelic host covering Bethlehem skies and Bethlehem night. 
A multitude of the heavenly host all of a sudden appeared unto the shepherds as they were in the field, singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. After the wise men came, Jesus being a little bit advanced in his age, a young child, the child, maybe up to two years of age, there they were down in Bethlehem, but there was a wicked ruler that wanted to destroy all the children because he didn't want any rival king. Herod did not want any rivals. The angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, flee to Egypt, and stay there till the terror is over, and it'll be time to come back. The angels were there at the birth of Christ. And then Jesus, when he was anointed and went out into the wilderness, driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted of the devil so he could overcome the devil and all his works. And Jesus was there 40 days in the wilderness. It says being tempted of the devil, 40 days without food. And at the end, as he overcame the temptation of the wicked one, he was so weak and so exhausted. The Bible says angels came and ministered unto him. Angels came and ministered unto Jesus because he poured out himself to the end for the mission of his father. In Gethsemane, as he went to pray, as it was coming time for the crucifixion, it was the night that it would be the arrest, and he cast himself upon the ground and began to pray. And the Bible says because of the strain and what he was about to endure, the cross, the suffering, the cruelty, all that was going to face him, as he prayed, the strain was so great that the Bible says that his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. The blood vessels between it, beneath his skin were breaking because of the strain that was on his human body in that trial, in that warfare against Satan for all of us. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And the Bible says all of a sudden there was an angel alongside him comforting, strengthening him, the Bible says, strengthening him for the journey. Where were the disciples? They were off sleeping. They couldn't watch and pray one hour. I wonder what it would have meant to Jesus if some disciple had slipped over, John or Peter or James, and said, Jesus, we know you're going through an agony. We know there's something coming. You've told us about it. We don't understand it. We don't understand this three days. We don't understand this death and suffering. But Jesus, we're with you. What would that have meant to the Son of God? But no, they were laying over in the bushes. But an angel came from heaven and strengthened the Son of God for the journey and for the mission and for the ministry that he was called to. Prayer was over. It was time for the arrest. Soldiers and the mob and the crowd came with their spears and clubs ready to take this Jesus of Nazareth. Peter drew out a sword and cut off one of the servant's ears. Jesus healed it. Jesus said, do you not think that I could presently call for my father and he will send me more than 12 legions of angels? A legion is 6,000 approximately, a Roman legion. Jesus said, don't you think I could right now in this ordeal, in this hour, if I just spoke one word, more than 72,000 angels from my Father's presence would be here in an instant. 
And can you imagine what would have happened if he did? Father, and the angels come down and lift him up and take him out from what was coming. Take him out from the cross and the cruelty. That's how the world treats its creator. That's how the world treats the Son of God and its sin and rebellion and hatred. Lifted him out, take him back up to heaven, close up heaven, and let the whole thing go to hell until it sinks under its sin and misery and cruelty. Until every person is totally broken and the world spins to its final end and falls into the lake of fire and not one of us would have gotten out. Son of God, the Son of God, do you not think I could in a second, in a moment, call for more than 12,000 angels, 12, 12 legions of angels. They'd be here in a moment, and I'd be gone. But how then would salvation come to this world? Three days later at the empty tomb, angel rolled the great stone away from the sepulcher, and the angel was sitting on it. And when the women came, they looked inside, and there were two angels one at the head and one at the foot where the body of Jesus lay. The tomb was like it had a door, and it was like a little room inside there as the tombs are in the Middle East. The angel spoke to the women, go tell the disciples and Peter that he is risen. Jesus had his ascension 40 days later, Acts chapter 1. The Bible says he was received up into heaven out of their sight, and they all stood looking, gazing up into the sky. And the two angels came and appeared to them and said, Why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus, as he went, so he will come again. Go and preach the gospel. And so they went and preached the gospel. And in Acts chapter 5, the 12 apostles were arrested. They were filling Jerusalem with the teaching of Jesus Christ, the gospel of salvation and the resurrection of Christ. And people were being healed and people passing through Peter's shadow on the street, and they were bringing people from the towns and villages around, and there was a great healing manifestation of the witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the religious authorities arrested the 12 apostles and put them in the common prison, but Acts chapter 5 says the angel of the Lord let them out in the middle of the night and said, go preach in the temple the next morning. When they were to go for interrogation, they said, where are those men? Oh, they said, we got to find them. They were in the temple preaching and teaching the people as the people came to the various areas of the temple to seek the Lord. Acts chapter 8, Philip, after that great crusade down in, up in Samaria. Came back to Jerusalem and the angel of the Lord said to him, wake up, arise, go down the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. Go. And the angels didn't give him any more information. Just go down that road. And when he got down to that road, the Holy Spirit led him further. And he heard that Ethiopian eunuch reading in the scriptures, but not understanding. And the Spirit said, go join yourself to the chariot. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, a Roman centurion at Caesarea on the, on the seacoast, in charge of 100 Roman soldiers. But he was a man that feared God. Now, he wasn't born again in the true New Testament sense, but he had a fear of God, a God fear, he was called. 
And because of it, he, he prayed always, the Bible says, and he gave great amount of alms. He was generous with his gifts to the poor. And the Bible said, because of it, a memorial, a memory was being built up in the earth that gained God's attention. God said, angel, get down there. Give that man a message. Tell him to send for Peter. He's down in Joppa, not too far away. And he'll come up and tell you words whereby you and your house will be saved. An angel of the Lord and the Holy Spirit working together. In Acts chapter 12, Peter was in the prison. Herod had taken the life of James, the brother of John, with the sword. And tomorrow morning, it was Peter's time to be executed. And that night he lay sleeping between two soldiers and he was bound with chains and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord showed up in the prison and hit him on the side and raised him up and the shackles and chains fell from him and the angel led him out the first ward and the second ward and then the gate leading into the city opened up on its own accord and with that the angel walked with him a little bit till he recognized where he was and the angel was gone. And Peter made his way to the house where the believers were praying and seeking God. A deliverance. The angels of the Lord. In Acts 27, final example here tonight, the Apostle Paul on that ill-fated Mediterranean voyage in the wintertime when the storms were fierce, 276 people on board, and they had been drifted and tossed up and down in the Mediterranean. They didn't even know where they were. They'd lost all their bearings. While some people weren't eating, the Bible says the Apostle Paul was fasting. And after long abstinence, after many days of fasting and seeking God, because all hope had been given up that any life would be saved, that entire ship and all its people would go down. That was the conclusion of everyone there. And those were some experienced men on the waters. But all of a sudden, Paul stood up and said, he said, an angel of the Lord stood by me this night and said, Paul, I've given you all them that are on this ship, and not one life will be lost, not even one hair of their head will fall. He said, I believe God that it shall be as it was told me. And so it was. 276 people made it out alive from what was absolute and certain death. The angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord working with God's people. All through the scripture, the Lord and the angels. Why does he need the angels? He's chosen to use them as servants. He uses us, we're servants. He has angels, they're servants. What a wonderful kingdom we live in. Full of wonder full of wonder, angelic presence, heavenly hosts, power of God, watchers, backed by the Holy Spirit. We are a peculiar people. We are a special people under the Lord our God. Well, let's close out with guardian angels. Guardian angels. Title really comes from this passage. We're going to look at Matthew 18, but also Acts 12, where when Peter was released from prison and he showed up at the house at the house of the believers and he was knocking at the gate, and one of the servant girls ran out and saw there was Peter, and she was so excited that she didn't even let him in, didn't even open the gate. 
She ran back in the house and said, Peter's at the gate. Couldn't be. Disbelief. I mean, it, it must be his angel. Does Peter have an angel? Did Peter have an angel? Maybe we all have an angel. Matthew 18. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. Jesus was speaking about children. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What a place to put that phrase in. The children, the angels, the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountain to seek the one that is straying? Oh, let's get this in our spirit tonight. And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It is not the will of God that one little child born into this world, one boy, one girl, should ever perish. Does everyone have, an, have a guardian angel? Well, from this passage, you could say that. Say, well, some say, well, only, the, only Christian children, children of Christian parents, only they have guardian angels, the others don't. But it doesn't look like that for when we read this passage. It seems like every child, when they're born, receives a guardian angel to lead them to lead them that they would come to Christ, that they would not be lost, that somehow the message of the gospel would come to them. We know that the devil's going to be after them real soon. Satan comes for every child. Now you look at a child, a child all over the world where people are ministering and want to make inroads with the gospel. You know where they go? They go and have children's services. Vacation Bible school, invite the children. Because when the children come and you open up the Bible and you tell them about Jesus and you tell them about a God who made them and a God who loves them and a devil who hates them and a God that wants to be with them and take them to heaven and he died on the cross for your sins and you know how you feel inside, little child? You get angry, you get upset at your mom and dad. That's sin. But there's one who came to forgive you from all that sin, to make you his own. And little children receive the Lord so quickly and so easily. They're so innocent. They're so pure. They're so open. But what happens? The enemy comes. We see it in the scripture. He wants to destroy the babies. He wants to kill the children. Not even let them get a start in life. Because some of them then might actually turn to the Lord. But he comes after the children. And you look at the pressure on our children today, in the school, 
in the indoctrination, in the curriculum. It's everywhere. The evil is all about them. The devil doesn't play fair. He comes by deceit. He comes by cheat. He comes by manipulation. He comes by oppression, where the Spirit of God will never do that. But honor the free will. And so what happens as a child grows up, a lot of them do not walk with the Lord. Even though they have a guardian angel, an angel that's trying to hold out and be a counter against the powers of darkness. But there's an ally in the flesh that Satan has. And so the sin and the rebellion and the independence, the lawlessness and the immoral aspects of a child, and they grow up and they begin to turn and walk away from the Lord. Does the guardian angel leave that child when they forsake the Lord? So I don't want anything to do with God. I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to live in the world. I'm just going to follow my own way. I want nothing to do with God or religion or Christianity. Does the, does the guardian angel leave the person at that point? Now, some in history have taught yes, but I don't think so. Where is that angel? That angel is now set back in the shadows, pushed away. Teenager, rebellion, independence, young adult, adult, caring only for themselves in this world, want nothing to do with God, don't have time for church. Well, that angel can't overpower that person, no more than the Holy Spirit would or could. The angel, I think, is left in the shadows, watching, waiting, waiting. I've heard testimonies in this place in the waters of baptism. Angel waiting until sometime, maybe sometime in this, in this young person's life, maybe sometime in this adult's life, I will be able to step in into a scene and rescue that person with a, with a rescue that is so significant that they will come out of it and say, that was God. That must have been an angel. I should have been dead. I can't believe I walked out of that wreckage. I can't believe I was raised out of that deathbed. I didn't know the Lord, but it's like God, God did something for me. And you heard the testimonies in this church, in the waters of baptism, from those who have been gone, who have gone out into the world for years, and how something happened here or there. Somehow there was a deliverance. Somehow there was an intervention. Somehow there was a blessing. Something happened. I should be dead. I can't believe I, I can't believe I'm alive, and now I've come to the Lord. Yeah, kept alive by angelic intervention until you could come to a place of repentance and bow your knee to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Hallelujah. The Father's still seeking, isn't he? Seeking those on the mountains, those who have gone astray somewhere. He's not willing that anyone should perish. Even though they strayed far from him, there are angels that are working to lead the unbeliever to Christ as well. Our efforts in the gospel, their efforts in the gospel, their intervention, we are living in an incredible world of God's power and God's deliverance and God's salvation. Well, let's have the worship team come and close out tonight. Tonight, let's thank God for the angels. Why don't you stand? 
Thank you. Let's thank God for the angels. I think about my experiences with the angels and other deliverances and rescues, and I'm so thankful to the Lord that he's come and ministered and helped me. Maybe tonight on the way home in your vehicle, you can talk with your husband or wife or your family and say, do you think we've ever seen angels unawares? Do you, think, do you think that situation, that miracle happened that time? I remember my mother when she was like 35 years of age. We were going to a town in a city and all of a sudden the, the young, young teenage boy was learning to drive and the lights came on at the railroad track and whatever happened, he got so disorient, disoriented, he stopped on the tracks and the train is coming for them. And it was, the lights are there and everything. And they, they cried out, they screamed out to God. And all of a sudden that vehicle was off the tracks and the train bolted through. What a deliverance. Come on, think of some times where God has rescued out of situations. We say, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here. Maybe he just sent a ministering spirit, an angel to take care of you, and so he will with us all the days of our life. The God who fed me all my life long, the angel who redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and so go on and bless the next generation in the word of the Lord and in the protection and love of God. Well, I've taken a little extra time tonight. I just trust that our hearts are encouraged and comforted. We have a great and mighty God. We have an innumerable company of angels. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers them. Let's break off the fear. Let's break off the hardship. Let's break off the anguish. Let's get some confidence in our prayers. Prodigal sons and daughters, people you've been praying for, there's an angel walking with them. He may be in the shadows, but your prayers will make a difference in that person's life because there will come a point where they will need God or their life will be taken. And who knows whether an angel like walked down into Sodom to pull out Lot and his family, those who would come. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. I'm here desperately crying out.